0: Welcome one and all to Chasing Cutoffs, bringing you the trail running news and views from the back of the pack. Well, hello again, friends. My name is Ben Mead, your hobbled host, and it has been a crazy few weeks for me as I have been super duper busy with work travel. It is crazy busy time right now for me in that arena, and so I appreciate your patience with pumping out the episodes, but we do have a gem of an episode for you. This is volume five of Race in Pieces, and I cannot wait for you to hear that. But I wanted to tell you a little bit about an experience I had just a couple of weeks back at the Lake Sylvia Fall Festival, and I want to give a big shout-out to Amy Iverson, race director, who did a crazy awesome job putting together a 10K a half marathon and a 5k route out at the Lake Sylvia State Park here in Washington State. It was a heck of a lot of fun. I ran the 10k, which is about all I can do at this point with my brokenness, but it was still so much fun. And I just wanted to say thank you to her and to the Oli Trail Runners who participated as well. It was really, really cool. I was not the only one out there getting it done with my amazing 10k. <laughs> there were many athletes across the globe absolutely crushing at the back of the pack. And here are just a few. Let's jump into this week's race roundup. Well, there are two races and four incredible athletes that I want to highlight this time around starting with the Mogulon monster. this is a monster 100-mile race out in Pine, Arizona. It's a point-to-point. This thing is gnarly. And Shanna Rodenbaugh of Kingman, Arizona, also known as Shanna Banana out on the trail, crushed second on the glorious DFL podium. And about her race, this is what Shanna had to say. I have finished both on the front of the pack podium and the DFL podium at ultras. And I have to say that the DFL podium is hands down my favorite. Those are the races that I feel the most accomplished and where I have spent hours and hours with other back of the packers, grinding it out with both tears of frustration and laughter to the very end. As a first year teacher, I was not able to train for Mogulon 100 at a high volume due to the demands of my work. I know how you feel, but I trained with specificity and I towed the line committed to crossing the finish line. I maintained my goal pace consistently, nailed my hydration and nutrition, and with the help of my crew and pacers, I made it to that finish line with 22 minutes to spare. I have absolutely no regrets and I'm grateful for the chance to cover those 100 miles on foot. Awesome, Shanna. Congratulations and great attitude. I love it. And rounding out that DFL podium, crushing absolute DFL, was none other than Nate Lewis of Vancouver, Washington. This was his fourth hundred and about his race, Nate says, I've never chased cutoffs before. I went into Mogulon with a hip flexor injury that killed my fitness over the last two months. Some days leading up to Mogollon, I literally couldn't run a step without extreme pain. However, I'm a pretty good power hiker and I was able to hike 97 miles out of the 103 and I'm super proud to be DFL. That is awesome. Congratulations, Nate. And the other awesome point to point 100 miler I want to highlight this week, of course, was Pine to Palm out in Williams. Oregon. This is a super remote rugged course traversing the Siskiyou mountain range. This thing is gnarly. It is no joke This is not an easy hundred and the first athlete I want to highlight is David Seidman of Issaquah, Washington who crushed third on the glorious DFL podium About their race David said pine to palm was my first 100 I had the stretch goal to go sub 24, but it was a record high of 105 degrees with a big wildfire nearby filling the air with smoke. And when we started at 6 a.m., it was already 80 degrees. (laughs) Once I realized that 24 was out of reach, I chilled out. Why, yes, I would like to sit in that chair and some watermelon would be grand. And then at 9.15 p.m., 52 miles in, the volunteer told me I had five hours to make it 14 miles and 4,500 feet of elevation before the next cutoff. Oh, crap. As I left, I heard a guy on the radio say, well, one guy just left and he's looking strong. He might actually make it. I passed a few people who had given up. Not me. I made it within two minutes to spare. And then they immediately kicked me out. Where is the love? So on to the next one. Plop into the chair. How long till the next cutoff? Damn, up and out of the chair and on my way. The upside of spending three hours at aid stations in the first half of the race is having enough energy to burn at the end. At the last aid station, 10 miles to go, three of us joked about who would take the honor of DFL. Turns out it was none of us. A guy we passed 10 miles earlier who was limping, staggering, just clearly not going to make it. He made it DFL in his first 100 and he and I still got our buckles and 75% of the people who signed up for this race did not. DFL is not a bad place to be. Congrats, David. That is killer. And finally, I want to say congratulations to Scott Chandler of Caldwell, Idaho, who also ran the Pine to Palm and he crushed second on the glorious DFL podium about his race. Scott says Pine to Palm was my first hundred miler first time being one of the last three to end a race. We all have some excuse to where we were and how we felt during the race and what we do different. Some who remember my name will know the issue I had at mile 38, just before the aid station where I got dizzy and nauseous and then passed out. I overcame that issue and proceeded on with the don't quit attitude. I am excited that I finished the race, no doubt about that congrats scott and congrats to each and every one of you who are out there absolutely crushing it getting it done at the back of the pack you are all incredible and now a word from our sponsor This week's episode of Chasing Cutoffs is brought to you by Caboose Juice. Caboose Juice is the latest in liquid nutrition specifically formulated to deliver a steady drip of energy directly to the slow twitch fibers in your legs. The team at Caboose Juice understands the unique challenges of running at the back of the pack and how slow runners need a liquid fuel that can sustain them through a 20-hour 50-miler, a 40-hour 100, or even a five-day 250. So if you want to learn more and get 15% off your first order, go to caboosejuice.com, enter promo code CHASINGCUTOFFS, choose from one of their five delicious flavors, and for a limited time, try Pumpkin Spice Caboose Juice just in time for fall. And now, back to the show. I am so excited to introduce you to our next guest and to bring you Volume 5 of Race in Pieces. Coming to us all the way from Georgia, Ryan Gressett. Ryan, welcome to Chasing Cutoffs.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm stoked to, to talk to you because I love talking to people who just ran their first Ultra. <laughs> and the first Ultra experience is very unique and you never get to have it again. But before you tell me about your big first Ultra, rewind it a little bit for me. First of all, where are you in the world and how did you start running? Wow, uh,
1: great question. So there's a bit of irony in that explanation. Um, so my wife and I relocated to Georgia about a year ago um, from California believe it or not. Oh wow. So I had no knowledge of the ultra scene, no inkling of what any of it was about while in California, which you know, everybody rants and raves about that and the West Coast being the Mecca, so I found out um
0: <laughs> after the fact.
1: <laughs> that's right. Very much after the fact.
0: What took you out to Georgia?
1: Yeah, I uh I work for an elevator company um that has a ridiculously large test tower here in georgia where our north american headquarters are
0: did you say test tower that's right interesting
1: we literally drop elevators in the building so (laughs) which is shocking i did not know that was a thing yes yeah
0: i had no idea that's very interesting
1: yeah so we uh relocated out here i got a really great opportunity to come work for the corporate headquarters and really just stumbled on the ultra scene. And you're
0: in Marietta.
1: That's right. So there's uh Kennesaw National Battlefield, which is an old Confederate battlefield that also has a mountain on it, believe it or not. Hmm. So uh, we live right across the major road. And yeah, that, that's kind of how I stumbled into the the ultra scene.
0: How did that occur?
1: You know, uh I've always been an outdoors guy. I enjoy being outdoors, but um, the family, actually, my wife and my very, very new daughter, uh, who is nine months old this month.
0: ah congrats.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Life-changing, for sure. But um, we just went over to check it out and go on a little hike, you know? And um, we're we're hiking up the paved side of the mountain there, and uh, I see people flying by me, just running with packs on. And I'm like, what in the world are these people doing? (laughs) And um, then, you know, being the person that I am, the A-type personality, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole and was like, well, what is trail running? What is ultra running? And, you know, I just kind of went from there.
0: Yeah. Did you have any background running at all?
1: Um, Very limited. Um, So when I was in high school, I was, you know, in track and field, cross country, ROTC for a long time. But I wouldn't say I was an avid runner by any means.
0: Sure. So you go on a hike with your brand new baby and your family. You're new to town. You say there's a mountain across the street. These people come flying by you and your mind is just like blown. You're like, what are these people doing? So what were some of the first things that you discovered when you started searching for stuff online?
1: You know, I did a quick YouTube search and it said, you know, ultra marathons. I said, what in the world is that? I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. And ironically, the first thing that popped up is the Georgia Death Race. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all.
0: I am a very famous race. Oh, let's assume that the YouTube algorithm served that to you because it knew where you were <laughs> geographically. That's
1: right. Yeah. So stumbled upon that. And that was kind of Pandora's box <laughs> for me, really.
0: And when was this?
1: This was, wow, maybe last November.
0: And so. You know, this could have just been a curiosity, a YouTube rabbit hole, as many of us have gone down. We don't always take action on those things. What do you think flipped a switch in your head where you're like, "Well, I ran cross country in high school. I think I I should do an ultra marathon." Like, why were you inspired to do that?
1: You know, I stumbled upon this video, and it was basically a video of like the aid stations and the crewing, and and you know, a little snippets of these people running and I got really excited. I was like, man, this is this is intense. This is crazy. Why would people do this? You know, I tried to sh- tried to show the video to my wife and the first thing out of her mouth is that's insane. Why would anybody ever do that? So the first thing that popped into my mind was, well, I'd I can do
0: that. Yeah, that's that's the personality trait right there, right? That's when right. your wife says that's crazy, you're like,
1: hmm, maybe I
0: ought to try it.
1: <laughs> that's right. I thrive in situations where people think that things can't be done.
0: Mm. So your wife says that's crazy. This triggers something in your brain. What is your first step? How, how does this unfold for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I literally just strapped on the trainers I had in the closet and went across the street and went to the top and back down. And I was like, man... That was uh, refreshing.
0: <laughs> and for context, how how long of a run is this up and down?
1: So they have uh, three different loops. The loop I did, which is basically up the mountain and then you catch a loop back, it's it's roughly five miles. And I got a you know early early on a Saturday morning, and I was probably on the trail at about six thirty, and uh, just you know the peacefulness and and everything it just kind of all collided into like yep. two, one defining moment you know that's
0: so cool so did you take the paved path or did you go off-road the whole time
1: it's all off-road nice yeah you know that was the first time in a long time where number one i had some free time you know just getting out and and being out in nature alone i don't know i just it ignited something and i was like there's got to be more to this so
0: Mm. Well, let me ask you a very real question that I think a lot of new parents experience. Sure. So you're a new dad and you're having this discovery moment and super excited about it. Has there been challenges, tension, issues of like wanting to go and do these things and be a part of races and training and getting out? And it's like, whoa, there's like tons of responsibilities at home. And is that causing challenges for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think any parent can attest to this, that, you know, when you become a parent, your identity kind of shifts Mm. and, you know, finding who you are now versus who you are, you were before Mm -hmm. is a challenge. And, you know, I think sometimes it causes strain on your relationship with your your significant other or Mm -hmm. anywhere else in your life. So for me, it was kind of an outlet to have an outlet and have some alone time and and just be alone with my thoughts. And I think that Mm -hmm. that helped our family dynamic. You know, I will say that most of my running slash training comes when available. So family is always the first priority. And then the painful relaxation is secondary to that. So
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So as you discover more, where did you get inspired to run your first race?
1: Again, back to the Georgia death race and shout out to the run bun family there. Yeah. I found out about Ultra Sign Up was the next logical thing. Uh huh. (laughs) And they were obviously full because that is a, a very full race but they needed volunteers. Ooh. So, you know, I thought to myself, Hey, this would be a great opportunity to network with people, get to know the culture and ultra running and, you know, just figure out what it's all about.
0: Oh, I love that. What a great idea.
1: I did that. Um, and ironically, they had some people drop out and they had some people that were running, uh, sweeps and stuff like that. So I ended up being the aid station captain my first go so wow. You're right. So it was a steep learning experience for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the 2022, this is going back to March of last year. Yep. Georgia death race. You are the aid station captain. You've not run a race yet yourself, but this is your first exposure to this community and culture and race experience.
1: That's right. Honestly, it was it was eye opening. Just the supportive nature of everybody and yep. everybody wanting everybody to succeed really blew me away.
0: That is so cool. Now, prior to that race, you did jump into a couple short little things, did you not? You did the little dirty spokes at Heritage Park. And that that was a 2.8 mile race, if I'm not mistaken.
1: That's right. Yeah. I think that one specifically, I actually got like third in my age group, which I was incredibly surprised with. So,
0: yeah. So you're thinking, okay, not only can I do this, I might start getting on the podium, not the glorious DFL podium, but the real podium at some stage. Later that month in February, 2022, you do the Yeti Nightmare Night Trail run, a 10 miler. Was that different to do it at night?
1: It was intense is the only way I can describe it. I mean, I had never done anything like that in my personal life it was a good base i guess for what was to come you know me being alone out in the woods at the middle of the night
0: yeah because you definitely did not finish anywhere near the top in this 10 mile nighttime race i did not first experience at the back of the pack what kind of lessons did you learn from this uh night race
1: well first that i was underprepared um but i think for me it was more getting out and doing it and proving to myself that I could do it. And then, you know, I've heard several people on your podcast say, you know, the back of the pack in the middle of the pack or where you build relationships and, you know, Mm. you have people encourage you. And that's exactly what happened because I can tell you very honestly, in that, that night race, I was very close to quitting. So several
0: times. Wow. And this is a 10 mile race. We're not talking about, you know, 100 miler here, but this was still super impactful and super challenging for you to get through. Do you think the dark and the nighttime piece of it was a big factor?
1: I, I think it was, and it was considerably more elevation than I have ever run. I mean, it wasn't a ah. ton, maybe like 2,000, 2,500 feet of elevation change, but... Um,
0: In 10 miles, that's not nothing to shake a stick at.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it, it was challenging but it was eye-opening at the same time and said you know if i can have the mental toughness and and push myself to do this even when i feel Mm. terrible what else can i do you know
0: yeah so was there one particular instance where you kind of teamed up with someone or encouraged someone or they encouraged you
1: yeah i mean it was probably the third or fourth time i fell oh yeah somebody that's rough somebody was coming you know running right past me. And they they stopped in their tracks and helped me up. And uh, we probably ran together for another two miles. And they said, you know, you can do this. Just keep going one foot in front of the other. Don't be discouraged. And that, you know, yeah. really, really went a long way for me.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So if I'm you, <laughs> it's late February. And I am looking at you know, potentially what's going to be next for me. I'm gone and I've done the Georgia death race aid station scenario, right? You're super stoked. My two races that I've got under my belt, I did a 2.8 miler. I did a 10 miler. So naturally the next thing I'm going to do is 50 k
1: Um, I know it sounds crazy. Uh, um, <laughs>
0: Just two months later. That's right. Oh my gosh.
1: I mean, originally full disclosure here. I, uh, I signed up for the 25 K first and, you know, I was running and training pretty consistently. And I actually, in that time, I met another ultra runner at work. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. It's a small world. Um, and you know, he's very experienced. He's, he's a hundred mile guy. So, uh, he was like, you know, you can do the 25 or you can see how far you can push yourself. And again, me being me, I was like, you know what? I think that's the right decision. So <laughs> I canceled that registration and signed up for the 50K. So,
0: Wow. Well, let's talk about the main event. So for context, for the listeners at home, May 28th, 2022, just two months shy of your 10-mile overnight challenging race that you did, you had signed up for Fort Yargo Ultra. This, of course, is in the Fort Yargo State Park. Really beautiful looking park with a really nice Fort Yargo Lake in the middle of it. And like you said, you had signed up for the 25K. So there's two distances offered, a 25K loop, essentially, that you could run once or twice. I think it's really cool that your coworker challenged you like that. I think that, again, speaks to your personality, right?
1: That's right. I mean, in retrospect, I don't think I knew entirely what I was getting myself into.
0: (laughs) Sure. Tell me about the night before. How are you feeling? What was your prep like? Were you manic? Were you relaxed? What was that like for you?
1: I have a tendency to be uh, a bit of an overthinker. So I Uh (laughs) took the day off of work on that Friday. Whoa! Yes. Laid out all my gear, all my nutrition, everything. And made a checklist and started packing things. And I probably unpacked and repacked things three times.
0: Oh my gosh. Because this race does allow you to have a drop bag. Did you take advantage of that?
1: I did. So you got two drop bags, um, one at the start finish, obviously, when you finished the first loop. And I think one was around the halfway point of the loop.
0: Mm-hmm. And did you do both of those?
1: I did. Because okay. again, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I think I overprepared as far as that goes, but yeah, I was I was a little manic, quite quite a bit of nervous energy just because you know I I didn't know what to expect.
0: Yeah, you took the day off, man. Yeah. You had a little bit of a drive to get out there. The race starts at 7 a.m. Uh how (laughs) was how are you feeling the morning of? Are you are you feeling good and confident or are you pretty nervous?
2: All right here at Fort Yargo State Park. It is 5.56. First ultra marathon today, so we'll see how that goes. I have some pretty high expectations. Um, It's either going to be the best decision I've made or the absolute worst. So, uh, yeah, hope I don't die. I, I would say I was not
1: terribly confident, but I had the mindset that I was either going to be caught by a cutoff or I was going to injure myself in a manner that I could not finish. Mm. When I originally started going down the rabbit hole of the Ultra Community, I heard um a quote that really stuck out for me that was, take what the day gives you.
0: Mm.
1: And I, I thought that was really huge. Just go out there and see what you're capable of. Mm. If it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world, but I think, you know, we as a people are are much more capable than we give ourselves credit for. So it was really just testing that limit, you know?
0: Absolutely. So you line up on the start line. How many people do you think ran the 50K?
1: I want to say it was close to 65 or 70. It wasn't a, Mm. a terribly large amount. The only reason I, I have a really good estimate of that is because I kept asking people when I hit the age station, am I the last person? I'm pretty sure I'm the last person. <laughs> um, and they kept assuring me, no, you're not. So, uh,
0: okay. so, gun goes off, you get started. Did you make the classic newbie mistake of going out too fast? Um, I didn't so much adrenaline
1: adrenaline nerves you know and i i purposefully placed myself at the very back of the pack starting Mm. and then you know i took off and you know i thought this is a manageable pace and then i started passing people and we probably got i don't know four or five miles in and i was like this was not a great idea and i started slowing down and people keep passing me so
0: yeah so you learned that pretty early on one of the nice things about this course is that it is mostly single track, so beautiful trails, beautiful scenery, but not a ton of climbing. Overall, the entire 50K course, you climbed you know, 1,500 feet of elevation, something like that. So it sounds to me like it was like a rolling kind of a vibe, not like gigantic climbs.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it's mostly like mountain bike trail. Okay. So a lot of rolling, climbing kind of situations. And are
0: these all buttery, buffed out trails or were they kind of gnarly with rocks and roots?
1: They were incredibly gnarly. Mm. Rocks, roots. Not a smooth mountain bike trail by any means. It it was actually very surprising and not what I thought it
0: would be. Ah, okay. So that took you by surprise.
1: Among other things, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell me all about it. Let's unpack this first loop. Tell me about your first 25K experience getting around this lake.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I printed out a pace chart, you know, back to the type A personality. And I was like, you know, if I could average a 16-minute mile. Okay, I should be well below the cutoff, right? Knowing that I've had a month and a half, two months to train. I'm not trying to break any land speed (laughs) records here. Yeah.
0: And with respect to cutoffs, was there just one cutoff at the finish or were there cutoffs at the aid stations as well?
1: There was just one cutoff at the finish. Okay.
0: You had to be there by 5 p.m.
1: That's right.
0: 10 hours after the start. So that's your one... Cut off your chasing all day long.
2: All day. Okay. A uh, little update for me. 10 miles in. Feeling pretty good, all things considered. i be sore as b tomorrow, I can tell you that. Doing good. Enjoying myself so far. Uh, but subject to change. So. <laughs> and I, you know and throughout the course
1: i'm pulling out my pace chart, going oh boy i don't know if this is going to happen but you know the first lap and again you know being a newbie and and this being my first ultra i felt so great through the first aid station i skipped it
2: oh skipped it completely okay
1: yeah which in yeah. retrospect not a great idea <laughs> But, you know, I felt really, really great through the first loop, which was roughly 15 and a half miles. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, man, I I could really do this. Um, And then, you know, the second loop was a little less pretty, we'll say.
0: When you hit the start finish the first time around, how are you feeling? Are you like, oh, my gosh, I just want to go back to my car. I can't do this. Or were you feeling all right to go back out?
2: I was feeling
1: great, actually. You know, my morale was pretty high. I wasn't terribly sore or fatigued at the moment. That didn't really set in until about mile 25. Mm. So spirits were really, really high when I finished that first lift.
0: So no temptation to quit, no temptation to drop down. Tell me a little bit about fueling up to this point. How are you doing on the food and, and what, what are you taking in?
1: Yeah. So I, I run with an ultimate direction pack. So like two liters of water.
0: Oh, that's a lot of water. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then the, the handheld canteens, I I do tailwind in those. Okay. You know, when I was training up to this event, the only real thing that wouldn't cause Gastric distress are the cliff blocks. Mm. So those little gummy cliff blocks. Yeah. So a pack of those is roughly 200 calories. So I would eat a pack of those about every hour.
0: Up to that first loop, you haven't taken in anything but tailwind, water, and cliff blocks. That's right. In 15 and a half miles.
1: That's right. Okay.
0: Okay. But you're feeling good.
1: Yes. Feeling good. Then, you know, around mile 25 or so started to feel the pain Mm. and feel the self-doubt um
0: and when we say pain what are we talking about a specific injury or is it just the whole body is just starting to shut down
1: you know honestly it it was mostly my feet Mm. i i don't think i had spent enough time on feet up to that point so most of the pain if not all of the pain was just right in the feet
0: which yeah that makes sense you're in virgin territory you've never i mean what was your longest run prior to this what was your longest training run my
1: longest training run was about 12 and a half miles okay so (laughs) i know i know new
0: dad got a lot going on he's dropping elevators he's got a baby at home right he can't be out there training like crazy
2: (laughs) so yeah been a little while since the last update. Currently, mile 23.28. Um, mile 1 through 18 went pretty good. Uh, and then I fell. Hit my knee. My knee is not in a good place. So I've been thinking to myself here, what the f are you doing? Uh, but we persevere. <sighs> Only. Eight more miles to go. We can do this.
0: So no doubt when you hit 25, it's like, man, I am way, way out over my skis here.
2: That's
1: right. That's right. The, the metaphorical wall was very real mm-hmm. at about mile 25.
0: And at this point, mile 25, have you taken in any real food?
1: I have. On the second loop, I was much better about stopping at the aid stations, consuming some real food.
0: What was sounding good to you?
1: Honestly, anything salty.
0: Uh huh.
1: It was in the high 80s, and probably the humidity added another 10 degrees. God. So
0: it <laughs> <That> sounds delightful.
1: <laughs> yeah. So all of the salt that I could possibly ingest was yeah. was what was on my mind. And
0: the reality is, you probably needed that salt a lot earlier, but now your body's like freaking out, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, during the second loop, I was better about actually taking in some solids and some some worthwhile food. But I think at that point it was probably a little late in the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it definitely caught up with me for the last 10 miles or so yeah. that's for certain.
0: Well, break down those 10 miles for me because obviously you've been asking at the aid stations, am I last? And at some stage, are you running all by yourself?
1: I am. Yeah. So You know, I got to, oh boy, it was probably mile 27 or so where the aid station was the last aid station. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking over and over, am I last? Am I last? Because I was running with a young lady for probably a few miles. And then I kind of took off without her. Mm. And, uh, I had assumed in, you know, my delirium at some point that maybe she had passed me and I just forgot about (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, you know, I get to the aid station and I'm like, am I last? Am I last? I'm sure I'm dead last. And they keep assuring me, you're not last. And also, you know, you've only got five miles, six miles to go. Mm -hmm. You can certainly do this. So they pumped me up. They dumped uh, a big bucket of ice water on me, whatever was left over. And subconsciously, I'm thinking if they're dumping a bucket of water on me, I'm dead last. And they're telling
0: you you're not last
1: that's right yeah they're telling me you know you're not last there's plenty of people behind you just keep going (laughs) you've got
0: this (laughs) i have a feeling you're being lied to
1: (laughs) you know sometimes a little white lie is all you need (laughs) to keep going and that was certainly the case
0: so you've got five miles to go do you cover these five miles completely alone
1: completely and utterly alone.
0: You've got no options here. There's nowhere to drop. There's no other aid station between here and the finish. So how was that? Was it just like a death march or what was that like for you?
1: Um, I would say a poor man's jog and a death march, yes. <laughs> at that point, you know, I, I looked around and I saw no one to the front, no one to the back. And I said, I've come this far, I'm gonna finish. Mm-hmm. So at that point it was, really really just about the mental toughness and and getting done and you know what i forgot to mention earlier is my wife was tracking me on the garmin live track the whole time
0: now was she at home with the baby or did she come out
1: she was at home with the baby Uh but she texted me probably around mile 20 and she said i'm heading that way i'm gonna see you finish
0: oh were you expecting that
1: Uh, We had talked about it, you know, with with a small child, it's situational for sure. But you know, once I knew she was coming and I knew she was tracking me, something in me said, you have to finish. You have to do it.
0: So you round these last few corners. Is your family at the finish line?
1: They are. That was an interesting experience for me because I had been around some of the culture and some of the community and in these other instances, and when I was coming up on the finish line, you know, the, there's a lake there and it's like near uh, a tent rec center mm-hmm. and there's a parking lot. So I turn the corner out of the woods. Parking lot's empty. And I'm like, oh boy. So then I turn the next corner. I could see the finish line. The race director and his crew are there. My wife and my baby are there. That's it. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of fanfare, a lot of cheering, but, you know, just one foot in front of the other, got across the finish line, the race director, he gave me the news then that I was DFL.
0: You were indeed nine hours, 19 minutes and 38 seconds. That's right. So well within the cutoff, but you definitely were... DFL by, by a pretty large margin. That's right. And no doubt you were out there alone for quite some time. Congratulations on this finish. That is awesome. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it it was funny because, you know, at that point I knew I was DFL, but I could have sworn there were people behind (laughs) me and I found out, found out they were all DNFs, which, you know, Uh, made me feel a little better, but, uh, you know, I think for me, just finishing yep. was a big win
0: five dnfs behind you yep, that uh pulled the plug at some stage and you soldiered on you got it done and you're an ultra marathoner now
1: uh i guess so yeah i guess so.
0: less than a year after you even discovered that this was a thing like this is pretty badass man that's awesome
1: yeah i you know i i think it's it's a once in a lifetime experience and In retrospect, I probably should have prepared a little more. But
0: (laughs) Well, it is indeed a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience to have your first ultra. But that being said, you're not done because you have signed up for multiple races already coming up two more this year and then of course you are going to do the georgia death race in march of 2023 which is super exciting so you've got a 35 miler coming up in the in the fall you're going to do another 50k in december and then the georgia death race you've signed up for the 74 miler is are there multiple distances at that race
1: no so 74ish miles is their uh, their catchphrase there so it's plus or minus give or take but yeah one distance you get 25 hours to complete it and yeah we're going to go for broke on that one so That is
0: amazing. I am curious as the kid Gets a little bit older and you guys are feeling up to travel. Is it part of your plan or desire to sort of break out of the region and go do races in other parts of the country or even other parts of the world?
1: It is. It is. You know, I think I need to get a little more experience. I'm very comfortable with being in the back of the pack. Mm -hmm. I don't anticipate that that'll ever change. I think, you know, for me, it's more. A competition with myself, not necessarily a competition with others, but I mean, I've looked at the rim to rim to rim stuff. I've looked at the rim to river that they have up in West Virginia. Mm. That looks fantastic. It's, I think it's a hundred mile race. Mm -hmm. So at some point I'd like to get there. Yeah. I mean, when we can travel.
0: I mean, 74 miles in March of next year, you're not going to be too far off a hundred miler at that point.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a lofty goal, but again, you know, it goes back to my wife shouldn't have told me I can't do it. Now I have to do it. So
0: <laughs> Does she have any desire to join you on any of these runs, races?
1: None whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> None at all. She she has professed that she will be a cheerleader and that is it.
0: Oh, man, That's awesome. Well, this has been super fun. I love talking about this Fort Yargo with you and your first yeah. ultra experience is really cool. And I wish you all the luck in the world, these upcoming races. I hope that you just keep discovering more and more about yourself and about what you're capable of. I think you're incredible. And I think it's awesome that you finished DFL in your very first ultra. And I really appreciate you coming on and doing this.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on the show. That was a lot of fun hearing about your very first Ultra. And I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening. It really is truly appreciated. I am doing my darndest to be a bit more consistent and get these things out weekly. And when I can't and when it's every other week or so, please know it's just because I'm super duper busy at work and trying to get a lot of things done across multiple spectrums. And I know that so many of you can appreciate that. I will also say that I rarely make this show about me, but for those who are curious, because I've had a few questions... I have begun physical therapy, so maybe someday I'll be able to do a little bit something more than just a 10K out on the trails. Keep your fingers crossed. I'll keep you up to date on the progress of the hobbledness of your hobbled host. That being said, if you love this show as much as I love making it, especially if you listen on an Apple device, please go in where you listen to podcasts and do a rate and review. They really, really do help. They bring a lot of attention to the show when you write a review, when you do a rating, and it's just sincerely appreciated. Thank you so much. And if you haven't had a chance yet, go to Strava and join the Chasing Cutoffs Club. So many of you have already done that, and it's been really cool to see some of the performances that are in there day in and day out. You guys are killing it and absolutely you know, putting me to shame, but that's not a surprise to me whatsoever because you are all incredible. So wherever you are in your back of the pack journey from myself, producer Daisy, and all of us at Chasing Cutoffs, keep crushing the miles and let's flip the script on slow.